Welcome back to another episode of Kellen's Petty Talk Show. Today on the podcast, we have the incredible Phil Thorpe Evans, former bassist of British pop punk band Neck Deep, and currently helming projects called Problem Child and World's First Cinema. Joining us in the discussion today is my good friend Meg Lay, pop punk connoisseur and all-around good human. We are absolutely thrilled to have Phil on the show, and hope you all enjoy the episode. Make sure to check out his projects that we discuss. You never know, it might be your new favorite thing. All right, let's get this bitch going. Hey, Phil, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. Thanks for being here. Lovely. Thank you for having me. Have you learned any new hobbies during quarantine? Hmm. I don't know if it counts as a hobby, but I've started smoking weed like every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I wasn't, really a, I wasn't really a smoker before this, like, I had like times in my life where I smoked weed here and there and I, but I was never really a stoner just like yeah. every now and again but yeah somewhere yeah. along the line I think it was about April or May last year yeah me and my wife were like you know in the quarantine thing kind of bored we were like you know what we should do we should go to a dispensary and get <laughs> really high tonight and like watch a movie or something she was like oh yeah that's a well yeah. good idea and then we did it and We've literally smoked weed every day since, so that's probably not good, but. Dude, that's a funny, I got a funny story for you. Um, I tried weed not, not that long ago, actually, probably like a year and a half ago. Mm. And uh, I had a really bad time with edibles. Oh, edibles are weird. Yeah, I mean. So weird. Yeah, edibles is a different, different situation. That's an easy one to fuck up on. And that's exactly what my funny story is. So basically, I go, I go order on, I think it's Ease, mm. the, the phone app. And I ordered all this crap and I had like a, a huge chocolate bar. I had gummies oh, and I no. had a pre-roll. So no joke. I take one little piece of it, which is five milligrams. Mm. And you know, that's supposed to definitely get you high. If you're like a first timer, it didn't do anything. And then mm. th 30 minutes later, I try another piece, 30 minutes later, another piece, nothing's happening. So I'm just like, Bro, come on. This is like the, the stereotypical oh, no. mistake. Like, oh, yeah. well, I'll take yeah. more. Like I'm what? Hundred percent. That'll then, help. And then my dumbass has half the bar, and then and then on top of that, I had five or six gummies and like two puffs off a of pre-roll. See, you should have had the bro, after the edible. I was puking my brains out. Yeah, I bet, bro. You fucking like, you went hard. And I, I went hard. 
Hell yeah. And then, <laughs> and then back in August, this is the last time. And it, just cause a friend had them, I was like, screw it. And I had like literally two gummies, like small ones and puked even more times than the other time. Dude, you you got to stay away from the edibles, I think. Yeah. You was... know, like maybe start with like a hot boxed car or something. That's like the ideal way to yeah. figure out how to do one weed. 100%. So yeah, it's not really for me, but I- I'm good with like smoking it. But mm. don't do yeah. that. So what was, or actually, let's see. Tell us through how you got into music. I know you didn't have a super musical family growing up, but what, what got no, you? I definitely didn't. Um. I don't know, really. It's kind of one of those things. It wasn't really anything specific. It just, you know, when you're at that age where you're trying to, like, figure out your interests and trying out different things, don't know where it came from or how. I just sort of gravitated towards music for no, you know, kind of plausible explanation, really. I mean, I remember the earliest memory I think I can have of being interested was seeing, like, Top of the Pops, um, which is, like, a British show. It's kind of, like... It's, I think it's done now, but it was massive like 20 years ago. And it's where like they have like the charts. You probably yeah. had the same thing here, but you know, the band comes on and like plays the song that, you know, whatever yeah. single they have now. I remember seeing a couple like kind of old bands on there. And I saw Blink 182 on top of the Pops once. Mm-hmm. And I think that might have been like the first time I'd seen like rock music, if that makes sense. Like yeah. seen it. Like, wow, there's like different people with different instruments all playing together that's really cool yeah for sure and I, I i think that's about as early as i can get on it and i don't know i just was super interested and i just kind of followed the interest and convinced my mom to get me a guitar at one christmas or something and yeah started noodling around and just never really stopped just kind of carried on forever really that's awesome and uh, what was your move to la like what, uh, what do you like and what don't you like about living here um i mean it's hard to say, you know, people always ask me like, oh, how long have you been in LA? And it's like, it's a really hard thing to answer because for the first like few years of me being here, I was like touring like nine months out of the year. So I was like, I wasn't really here. Like I'd, I'd spend less time here than some people who vacation. So it's like, do I really live here? Like, I don't feel like I live here, but I don't really feel like I live there either. But I guess everyone who tours kind of knows that feeling. It's not really up until... I like came off the road that I kind of really consider myself living here. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it's great. Like, obviously I wouldn't have done it if I didn't like it here. So I obviously have good things to say about it. And I personally, I really like it. Like, I think it's a great place. Um, yeah, me too. I know it gets a lot of hate. Mm-hmm. But I think it's almost like, it's like a trendy thing to hate on it. It like really if, is. if you're hating on LA, it means you've been here so long and you've like been through all the fucking the wheel of industry. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, fuck LA, man. Can we get? And yeah. it's when people say that shit to me, whether it's like sessions or whatever, I'm like, well, fucking go then. Like, exactly. Go somewhere else. Like, what's stopping you? Like, oh, <laughs> it's like, fuck off. It's, cool. <laughs> it's fucking know. sick here, and we all know it. End of story. Exactly. And Beautiful yeah. weather, beaches, fucking all the best food, all the best yeah. stuff to do. Yeah, and you yeah, make, make downfalls. Yeah. yeah exactly like you know that. there's there's definitely negatives but there is with any place so i don't know i really like it here <laughs> me too yeah so uh neck deep being formed how did you yeah. get involved with the band initially um okay um i know you're so in the I was hardcore in the, band yeah yeah i was in this other band called climate mm-hmm. 
and a couple of the other guys who would end up becoming neck deep were in this band called Spires. Mm-hmm. Like a hardcore band. Climus is more like a melodic hardcore band, kind of counterparty type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we played some shows together and kind of made friends. And um, I remember they called me one day and they were like, yo, Spires is doing this tour uh, with this US hardcore band called Agitator and we need someone to play bass. Like, do you want to do it? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sick, sounds good. So I did that. And I think during that tour, I got to hear a couple demos of what was going to end up being the Rain in July EP. Um, and I remember just thinking, like, oh, these sound great. Like, I've always been a massive pop punk guy. And I was like, oh, this is dope. This project's going to be sick. And for a while, that was kind of it. I was just like, oh, cool. My like homies have this thing they're starting up and it's really cool. And then, you know, the EP went out and, you know, they were still pushing Spires kind of the hardest. They weren't really thinking this next EP thing was going to be too much, I don't think. And Mm-hmm. put the ep up online and it kind of did really well and then at some point this band from the uk that was doing really well at the time kind of the only uk pop punk band was this band me versus hero oh, okay. um and i remember they had reached out and was like yeah we want neck deep to open this headline tour we're doing and yeah. it was like oh shit you know let's get the shit together to do it and then they're like you know you've just been playing bass for spires play bass for this and i was like Hell yeah, I'm super down. That was it, really. So I remember Neck Deep got a ton of flack on a bunch of different message boards and stuff mm-hmm. because they got signed super quick without playing a ton of shows and didn't really pay their dues, allegedly. Yeah. So did that criticism affect you at all? Like, did it push you or did it make you um, disappointed? A l- maybe a tiny bit, to be honest. On a, on a basic level, all of us just thought it was funny because we were just like having the time of our life and it was all going great for us. And honestly, all the people moaning were just like bitter fucking losers that were in shit bands that were never going to get anywhere. And that's <laughs> not really let it bother you that much. It's always the bands that aren't that good that have got the most to say. And it's like, dude, you can, fucking, mm-hmm. you can moan all you like, but the fact is we're getting this stuff because the music's working and we're doing it. Like, get over it. Start your own thing. Fucking. Yeah. But, you know, so the, the only times it bothered me, like, I get it when there's always going to be naysayers and people who have fucking shit to say. The problem is when people start jumping on the bandwagon based off shit that isn't even true. That's yeah. the really fucking annoying bit. That's yeah. the bit where you want to go on the internet and be like, listen, you bunch of fucking morons. <laughs> Obviously, that's not true. Like, there was a bunch <laughs> of fucking um, rumors. Like, the biggest one that went around for years in the UK it was huge was that yeah. Ben's dad owned a record label and that's why we got signed. <laughs> and that we were like an industry fan and like Ben's dad was this huge music exec and that's why we got all these opportunities. And completely not true. Ben's yeah. dad worked in like a, a mine or a factory or something like that. He was just like a very like normal working <laughs> No music. He did, I don't even think he was particularly interested in music if I, if I remember rightly, but you know, yeah. I, I don't know the full fact there, but um that's why that's yeah, on the song, like that. right? That, yeah, and then we just you know, make jokes about it and we put it on merch and we, you know, put it into <laughs> All you can do is laugh about it, you know? Who is but, the one that said that in the in Citizen's Birth? Fuck, you know, that's a good question. That wasn't one of you guys? It was either me or Ben. That's what I thought. <laughs> I genuinely can't remember, though. Like, it could be Ben or it could have been me. Yeah, I feel like I have a memory of me doing it. But it's also a bit foggy, so I might have it totally wrong. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, there, there was loads of stuff like that. There was a, there was an, so many of them. Another big one that happened, I remember when we announced our like first Australian tour, we were doing this like headline in Australia. And I get it, like on a surface level, it sounds crazy. Like our first tour of the US was a headline and our first tour of Australia was a headline. And the Australian one really sort of rustled people's feathers the wrong way. And there was this big thing going around about how like, we'd like have all this money from somewhere and we'd like bought onto this tour. And it was just like, no, you fucking idiots. Like, obviously not. Like, you don't buy onto a headline tour. Like, you can buy onto a support tour. Like, like, what doesn't even make any sense? But and a lot of paid everyone to show up, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what would be the the business sense in that? Like, but I don't know. It's just how it goes. I do respect that it it happened quite quickly, but yeah, people just want answers because they don't have it and they like don't understand how someone else can have it. So the only conclusion they can draw is some dumb shit. When it's like, <laughs> sorry to tell you, it's really boring. It's just that like we put yeah. out music and it started spreading and the demand was there and people started hitting us up for stuff. That's it, you know. Yeah, kind of possibly the good timing or a great EP. Like no. Yeah, I think it's just a little bit of everything. Yeah. We just were doing the right thing at the right time in the right place. and Yeah, and I know a lot of the bands you guys were, like, friends with at the time started turning on you a little bit, too, because you, you guys were getting fame. and Yeah, man, there was a few that kind of got lost along the way that sucked. There was bands that, you know, I won't name any names, but <laughs> yeah. there was bands that we were, like, coming up with, you know? Like, that always happens in scenes. We were playing shows with yeah. the same bands. Um, we were, like, making friends out of it, and then, like, you know, you just see some shit they've tweeted about you, and you're just like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. you're supposed to be in this business. You're supposed to be the one who gets it. Like, Yeah, yeah it's what? like, s- stay in your lane, but still support, you know, the bands that brought you up. And, you know. It's so dumb, too, because, like, if they had any fucking sense, they'd just, yeah. like, be supportive because at some point we're going to need to take somebody out. And who do you think we're going to call? We're going to call it, our fucking friends. Of course exactly. we are. Does. Yeah. And that's what ended up happening. We, You know, you, we ended up, like, having friends on the crew, friends, bands coming out on tour all the time. And it's like... yeah. All those bands did was seal their own fate. It was like, well, you're never coming on tour with us, so <laughs> good job. You're lost. Yeah, um, but, you know, it happens. So at Warp Tour, you in 2017, you had those TEI workshops. Where yeah. You were trying to help up-and-coming bands know how to reach the success they're aiming for without making unnecessary mistakes. Yeah. Um, were the classes how you expected, and do you have any good student stories? Um. Yeah, they, they were pretty much how I expected. I mean, I definitely had, like, a little bit of, like, imposter syndrome doing that. Like, I was like, oh, who the fuck am I to tell people, like, how to do it in a band? But then, you know, I stepped back and I was like, okay, well, look, I'm not an expert, but, like, it's done enough. And I, I've, like, been here long enough now that I, I you know, I know something. Um, and I knew going in that, like, the kind of kids that would come, with it being Warp Tour and the TEI thing, like, it's going to be younger kids that, you know, really need that basic level introduction like they don't need some like industry secret they just need to understand like who does what and how it works um they were actually super super fun i had a really good time doing them i I met some really cool people who had some great questions and, and situations and advice and you know there was a bunch of them that would message me after and um send me music that they're working on or whatever like that and you know I'm not going to sit here and say I, I had time to get back to everybody, but like I tried to get back to a, a lot of them and give kind of my opinion on what they were working on and maybe ways they could improve it. And um, 
yeah, I mean, I don't think there was any like particularly standout individual stories. You know, there wasn't one where like I met someone and it ended up being a big band or something like that, as far as I'm aware. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was super fun. They were, they were a lot of fun to just like kick it for an hour with a bunch of people and just like talk about music and how it works and how to start a band and like what you need and what you don't need. And, you know, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed doing it. So what was it like living in a band and the tour life and being away from home? Um, I mean, it, it was obviously, it, it's, it's kind of like yin and yang, you know, like yeah. it's got some super high highs and some super low lows. Um, I definitely like, don't like it when dudes in bands are just like, oh, I fucking hate touring, like, touring sucks. Cause it feels really like, <laughs> ungrateful and a bit like but at the same time yeah. like when you've been through it for enough years you, you can understand like it is a, it is a weird like psychological place to be that, like you really can't understand it unless you're in it because everybody thinks that it wouldn't be there and everybody thinks like oh if i got there and my band did it i wouldn't be like that i'd be so stoked every day like i'd yeah. do anything for this and it's like mm. yeah but everybody who's ever got there said that same thing and look at history you know Mm -hmm. um but i mean in my opinion the pros outweigh the cons i think mm -hmm. um but there's so many variables you know no two cases can ever be the same because every band is different every person is different every situation is different like absolutely so i can only speak to how it was for me and yeah i mean playing the shows was great you know seeing something grow and feeling it grow and getting to travel and do all these crazy things like yeah that's fucking incredible you know, sounds really obvious to say this, but then, you know, missing your family, missing important stuff, living yeah. out of a suitcase, feeling like you don't really live anywhere or belong anywhere. That stuff's really hard and, and really tough. Um, but I don't know. That's just the price of admission, I guess. That's the, that's the choice you make. Exactly. And uh, Wishful Thinking just celebrated its seventh anniversary, my personal favorite record from Neck Deep. Once this album blew up, you and the other members were able to leave jobs, leave college campuses, and hit the road to tour full-time. Was there a lot of pressure to make the first full-length and following up such a breakthrough uh, success with Rain in July? I don't think so. I think, because by the time I did Wishful Thinking, like, Rain in July, you know, it was doing well and people were liking it, but it was still on a very, like, alt-scene, small scale. Like, we were still yeah. of the mindset that, like, mm. this can't be a band that, like, is outside of the scene yeah um that wasn't until like life's not out to get you that's kind yeah, of yeah yeah and we were just so young and just like we were just going at it so hard i just don't think anyone had time to worry about it it was just like yeah as far as i'm aware wishful thinking was the first full length that anyone of us had worked on we'd only ever been in bands that did like eps and singles and things like that um so yeah i don't know as far as where i was sitting there wasn't particularly pressure there was just like excitement to just like make it cool and mm -hmm. just keep doing what we were doing and have fun with it and hell yeah you know kind of just happened that way yeah the pressure didn't come till a bit later i think <laughs> i remember i was in i was in buffalo new york that's where i'm from uh i was at record theaters one record store and i pointed out wishful thinking that just came out to one of my friends and he was like oh fuck that band and then and then somebody else comes over and he's like no that band's about to blow up and yeah. and it was it was a pretty cool moment because we all knew that was going to happen. Damn, you guys called it, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. 
So you have a long history with Emo Night from having yeah. Jack Deep's album release pop up there to performing mm-hmm. countless guest DJ sets. How did that successful relationship start? Um, it started years ago. In fact, on our like first ever US tour, I think we were at our manager's house in LA and he was having like a barbecue party and he introduced me to Babs who runs Emo Night. Uh, and we were, you know, chatting and whatever. And she said, yeah, you got to come down. You got to do a DJ set and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. And we just, like, stayed in touch and then started doing stuff. And once I went to one of the events and saw what they were doing, I was just like, oh, this is so cool. Like, I love how hard they're going on this. And, um, you know, I, I must admit, I was a little bit skeptical going in because as much as this was, like, a new concept in America, like, in the UK, the whole, like, emo night thing had been happening for years like my whole childhood got growing up going to bars and partying and stuff like I came from a really really small city and we had like three different emo nights I mean it's not called emo night but like yeah clubs where they play that music it's just not it wasn't a unique thing in England so I kind of was coming at it from this like what I don't get it. like why is everyone so excited like we're just gonna go to this thing and like listen to the music but when I saw that they'd kind of taking that idea and like try to like brand it and like do all this extra shit and have you know bands involved it was just like oh that's dope mm-hmm. and got to know them and I just thought they were really great people and I really liked them and yeah we just started like doing stuff anytime I was here I, I'd DJ and they'd tell me about what's going on and you know I just really loved all of them and their crew and we just like to kind of help each other out um and then Funnily enough, many years down the line, Babs introduced me to her sister and we ended up getting married. So that's so cute. Yeah. So now it's like literally family, the emo night thing. <laughs> Hell emo yeah. Fam. Friggin' love yeah. emo night. Yeah, it's the best. I think one time, I've only been there a few times, but um, one time they played Every Time I Die for me. I think I put, did they have like a list that you could put your like songs yeah, down? Yeah, you could put requests on the event. I, I put a I put every time I die down knowing that there's no way in hell they're gonna play them. Yeah. And they, and they did and we just we we made like the biggest mosh pit. Like people Yeah, were, I bet. That's awesome. It was yeah, so, it's so cool what they're doing, man. Like they work so hard try so hard to make it fun and original and mm-hmm. yeah. Hopefully we'll get one by like the end of the year or something. That would be amazing. I hope so. Man, when that first one comes back, it's gonna be insane. Uh I'm gonna be uh, there. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> One second. You got another one? Uh, Here, I'll, I'll just go to this one. See, uh, when it came time to leave the band and you ultimately realized you were ready to move on to the next chapter in your music endeavors, what was that like? And uh, was it a sigh of relief or were you worried about how people would react? Um, I definitely wasn't worried about how people would react. Cause it, I just Hell was yeah. like, still, even when it got to as big as it got, it's still just like, it's still just a fucking band at the end of the day and like yeah yeah i'm not in under any sort of like misinterpretation that like my presence there was some sort of deal breaker you know like (laughs) yeah yeah, we all have our little individual fan pockets and there's always going to be like oh i'm a phil fan and i'm a danny fan and i'm a ben fan but like yeah it's like come on guys if i disappeared no one's gonna cry it's gonna be okay yeah and they they were they were really supportive of you at the time yeah i mean why wouldn't they be it's like they still get to keep their band and like exactly things were going to change you know it's going to be different writing whatever but yeah i don't know um 
I wasn't too worried about it. I guess I was more worried about myself and like the next thing. Um, yeah, the next chapter. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to be like worried about everybody else and not myself. But exactly. um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it definitely was like more of a sigh of relief. I yeah. think. Hundred um, percent. I'd be lying if I said that it hadn't like got on top of me. And for the for quite a long time towards the end there, I mm-hmm. would be the first to admit that I wasn't really like there. Mm-hmm. I I think I'd kind of given up quite a long time ago. I just, you know, without going into too much detail, the one thing I would say is it wasn't about the music. Yeah. Like I, I still uh-huh. love the music, always will love the music. It just wasn't the right thing for me anymore for for a million small reasons that all added up to mm-hmm. one reason. And yeah. I had started my journey into producing. I was still early on in it, but like I had got the bug and I knew that like, this makes me way happier than anything else. And I was basically on tour, just like counting down the day till I could go home and get back in my studio and like figure out this thing that I was trying to crack. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, it, it was more of like a sigh of relief. It was kind of like a positive thing. It was like, that was incredible. Yeah. I'm super yeah. grateful. It's just time for the next thing, you know? Exactly. Yeah. to the next. It's just ready, you know? So after the the departure, uh, did you take some time off from anything music related or did you just get started immediately? No, not really. I mean, I was kind of already in it and I definitely knew going into it, it was going to be this kind of like, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do next. I knew that I was like producing and I was writing and I was, I had all these opportunities and like connections and kind of paths I could follow. And I was like really stoked at that moment to not know what I was going to do next. That's kind of like, I don't know, just I'd been in the same thing for like so many years. It was kind of exciting to have this like, oh, like I don't even know what I'm going to do next. Like, I'm going to have to like find it. That's so exciting to me. And, you know, I had managed to kind of save up a good enough amount of money that I could like chill for a second and kind of figure it out. And I just got stuck in. I just like anything that came up that I liked the sound of that I wanted to work on or that sounded interesting. I, I followed and anything I got offered that I just wasn't feeling, I didn't. And I just kind of put my trust in the universe that, that like something will present itself to me and I will know that it's the next thing and I'll be psyched. And yeah, I mean, it took a long time, but there was a lot of cool stuff along the way. And uh, I think it all worked out the way it's supposed to. What advice would you give to another artist that's in that similar position where they have to they might have to sacrifice a comfortable situation yeah. for a creative endeavor. What would you That's actually a really good question because it's it happens a lot. My advice, and I'm somewhat of a hypocrite for giving it because I didn't even follow it myself, to be honest. But my advice is to like once you like know that your heart's not there anymore, you know, I'm not talking about like one morning you wake up and it's gone. I'm talking about like take your time and like really digest that opinion. Once you like know that like it doesn't make you that happy anymore. You've got to walk away and move on to the next thing because the second you know it doesn't make you happy, whether you quit that day or whether you take 10 years to get there, mm-hmm. the result is the same. You're going to end up leaving. You're going to end up doing something else. So like, don't waste your time. And I'm guilty of it. I, I personally feel like I stuck it out longer than I should have just because I had this like weird sense of guilt of like, oh my God, like I have this crazy band and like, it's all I ever wanted like what kind of fucking person would I be if I quit you know like mm-hmm. like what the fuck does that say about me like people would kill to be in this position and I'm gonna quit like that doesn't sound right but I was kind of just kidding myself that it would get better when really in my head 
I knew that I just like didn't make me happy. I was fucking miserable, to be honest, for the last yeah. little chunk of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think my advice would be like, yeah, it's scary, but like, just for your own sake, you know, life is short. You gotta just fucking, mm-hmm. you know, have a yeah. go and just get stuck into the next thing. Just give it your all, and then when you know it's time to move on to the next, just do it. Yeah, if you're confident in yourself and you know that like there's other things you want to do. You know, maybe don't just sack it off if you don't even like have something else. Yeah, you but, gotta like, have, like a game. Even plan. something small, even just an idea. Just like have the next thing ready and the next day start the next thing. And mm-hmm. I don't know. That would be the that'd be the advice I'd give myself if I could go back, you know. <laughs> so your your project problem child has been getting a lot more attention lately, especially in twenty twenty with your highest regarded single to date, Navy Blue, which mm-hmm. came out and I think in April. Uh, how did you like working with Heather Summer on that one? Uh, it was super fun. Um, Heather, I, I met Heather at this writing camp. I got invited to do this writing camp in Nashville. Um, Ooh, that's cool. This, like medium kind of Spotify secret genius things they do. You know, that whole um, kind of department of the Spotify thing they have. And they were sponsoring this writing camp. And uh it's like a bunch of producers, a bunch of top liners, and every day for like a week, you got to switch around and work with different people. And we didn't actually make the song at the camp. We just met at the camp and just like stayed in touch. And I just really liked her and I liked her voice and I liked her writing. And I think I just hit her up one day sometime after the camp. And I was like, hey, I was just like looking for something new to work on. I was like, you know, you working on anything? You got any top lines? And she sent me the kind of vocal demo of what was Navy Blue or what would be Navy Blue. And it was just like her and a piano. I was like, oh man, this is great. I love the hook. And she sent me the vocal. And I think in like literally in the matter of like a week or something, I just like made the track. And oh wow. She was like, Oh, I love this. And I was like, dope. Let's put it out. Let's go. Well, that only, that only took a week. That song. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember for sure, but I remember it was a quick one because I'm usually pretty slow, but th- this one happened pretty quickly. That song blew my mind when I heard it the first time. It's gorgeous. It's yeah, so that was good. really fun. That one felt like a good moment. It was kind of like, I don't know. I was just trying to make something that I'd be psyched to listen to. Yeah, and she's got an amazing voice. <laughs> she really does. Yeah, and she's a great writer too. Now, your first song you released under that new moniker, Problem Child, uh, I believe was the song Voices. Was that the first one? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, how was the initial reception on that one, and how easy or hard was it to share your new sound with the world? Um... It was, it was good. I mean, I only saw positive things about it, but I didn't see too much about it. But I think that's also because, like, I didn't really make too much of a thing of it. I never, I have never still to this day come up Problem Child as this, like, I'm here doing Problem Child. Like, everybody check out my new project. Check out my new project. <laughs> like, yeah. Problem Child was always, like... Let it come naturally. Yeah, yeah it was always just, like, it was, it was me trying to learn, get my head around production. And, like, I was just making those songs as, like, a way to practice and just as exercises like I don't have anything else to work on no one's hiring me so I'm just going to keep making my own music to just like get my skills going mm-hmm. um, and voices was like the first song that I finished where I was like I don't hate this to my actual core so that's good <laughs> enough I'll put it out but uh, I mean I know even now music I make with Problem Child that the crossover between like the pop punk fans of what I'm doing with Problem Child is like this you know yeah yeah it's a very specific pocket of edm and it's very unique i think and i love it once like i found that pocket i was obsessed with it and yeah you know i I got super absorbed in it 
but I understand because I, I look back to when I was in neck deep. I'm like, if you'd have played me this kind of music then, I would have not known what the fuck to think of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I think it was received as well as it could be um, without making too much of a bigger deal of it, really. But yeah, it was more of like a fun thing than anything. So how do you approach remixing already popular songs? And is it ever difficult to find the balance between putting your own spin on it and maintaining the integrity of the original? Um, for me, it's super easy because I want it to be as far from the original as possible. That's just like okay. where I find remixing fun. Like I honestly can't fucking stand it. Some of these artists that remix, you know, some of these EDM artists that are huge. And I get it, like it's their pocket <laughs> and it's like the equivalent of making pop. Like it's literally just the song 10 BPM faster with a force of the floor under it. I'm like, how is that a remix? That's just the song. That's <laughs> remix. Like, but you know, everyone's yeah. got their taste. I personally love getting like the acapella and just the first thing I always do on a remix is just try and like make a new progression under the track that sounds totally different. So it just totally changes the tone of the vocal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But you know, like I said, like for me, it's always been, it's more about fun. Like, I'm not under the illusion that anybody's like sitting around waiting for problem child music, which takes the pressure off. Like, no, if people don't like what I do with the rooms, it doesn't fucking matter. Like I had a fun making it and nobody cares anyway, you know? Um, for sure. Yeah. I love remixing, man. Remixing is like one of my favorite things to do just cause it's just so fun to get a, a, a vocal, especially if it's a song you already like yeah. and just yeah. being like, cool, I'm just going to like fuck this up and do something different and try and, make it as different as possible and see if people like it find a new side of the song speaking of songs we like you also managed to remix all time lows song monsters how did that project come about and uh yeah how did that come about uh that one was really fun um i obviously have a relationship with the all time low guys i know those guys pretty well um i got a text or an email something from um johnny minardi from feel by ramen and he was just like, yo, Monsters is like crushing at radio and it's doing better than we all expected. So we're going to do a remix pack. Like, do you want to do you want to have a shot at it? Um, I was like, yeah, that sounds great. I totally didn't think I'd get it, to be honest, um, just because remixing for the alt scene is really difficult because most of the people in it don't listen to electronic music. So if you do something really out there, even if you know it's the sickest thing in the world and you know that the EDM community will flip for it, they usually hear it and they're like, what is this garbage? (laughs) Yeah, like, to be honest, you know, not to name names, I've done a couple remixes for, like, big old scene bands that I've been asked to do, and I've been like, this is fucking sick. And I get messed about, like, yeah, I think we're going to pass this time, like, we're just not feeling it or whatever. And I just want to be like, oh, like, why commission a remix if you, like, just want it to sound like the original song? Like, I get it, it's for your fans, but, like, the whole point of a remix in my opinion is to appeal to a different community like this could get a whole new world of people into this yeah. uh, bring everyone but, together like yeah i don't know it, everyone's got their taste though at the end of the day like I, I i don't it's totally fair enough like if you don't like the way it sounds that's that's just taste and that's fair um i think with the all-time low one though i came out with a pretty like poppy approach uh, as far as like tracks i've done it, it's it's pretty pop orientated um but yeah, I was really stoked on it. I really liked it and I sent it off and I was like hoping they'd be into it and turns out they were. So it ended up going out. So that was great. That's awesome. Yeah. So what's, 
how is the experience with the crowd different playing in a band versus playing a solo set? How um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I've only done a couple Problem Child shows and I wouldn't really even call them like shows. They're more just like kind of pop-up DJ sets at like events or whatever. I mean, I guess I, I did do one show in Nashville that was like relatively legitimate. Um, I mean, they're definitely different, but it's a, it's a different scene, you know, like yeah. it's always going to be very different, but on a basic level, it, it's kind of the same, you know, people, people are at shows because they want to see live music and they enjoy it. And as far as I've seen, it's generally always been really well received. And um, I mean, it's definitely different in a sense that like, it's kind of strange at first to not have anyone else up there with you and not feel like, you know, obviously I, I was playing bass and doing some backup vocals in Neck Deep. So I wasn't even like sent a stage and that was Ben's responsibility. So it's kind of like, as close as I can imagine to doing that, I suppose. Um, but, you know, yeah, it was just really fun. I, I think both are great. They both have different vibes, but I just like playing music. So I guess either way, it's a win for me. <laughs> Do you still skate? I know I used to shred back in the day. I did. I used to skate a lot, man. I was like really into skating. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't nearly as good as I should have been for how much I did it, but um I don't anymore, to be honest. I still love skateboarding and I watch it on YouTube and stuff, but Hell yeah. now I'm just too old and and tense and crooked now. No. <laughs> I'm also just like yeah, I'm just scared, man. America's scary. Like if I break my fucking ankle, like I yeah, just I, I just can't deal with that. That's just yeah. too like the fun I get out of skating isn't worth the fear of something going wrong. And it yeah. sucks to say. So but true. Maybe though. that's just a reflection of like my passion for it isn't as strong as people who really do it. I love it, but I don't love it that much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. How is married life treating you? Married life is great. Yeah. I mean, and to be honest, it's it's kind of the same as you know being in a relationship. Essentially, it's it's like that thing with a birthday when everyone's like, you know, how does it feel to be? 28 or whatever and you're like well it feels the fucking same as being 27 because that's what I was yesterday you know it's it's this weird thing that you think is gonna suddenly make your life feel really different but you know the day after you wake up and it's like the sun still comes up in the same place and the kitchen's still where it was before like I guess this is life now yeah that's <laughs> how you know you found the right person I think so that. yeah but I love it we have loads of fun and uh yeah. but yeah it's pretty much the same so were the challenges of starting a band in the UK different from the challenges of starting a more EDM based project stateside? Like oh yeah, massively. Um, mm -hmm. I think starting a band in the UK, it, well, I mean, it depends what genre you're doing. I think for us doing pop punk, we were always going to be on a slant. Like yeah. UK just has a much harder time like breaking bands than the US in the like alt scene, especially in like other scenes, they, own it like you know the whole kind of like old indie rock and like brick pop and all that shit like that's always going to be a british thing but yeah that that was tough but then with the birth of like i don't say the birth of the internet that obviously came a long time before that but with the way the internet is now it kind of doesn't really matter where you are in my opinion like yeah there's better places to be but if you're doing it right it almost doesn't matter you know like every everyone's on the internet everybody has social media so it doesn't matter whether you're into death metal or edm or fucking jazz like your audience is out there you just gotta figure out how to get them to listen so 
in a way, I think the challenge is a, a basically the same thing. It's about like starting a good project, having good music, branding it correctly, you know, using social media to your advantage and just building. So yeah, I think it's kind of a very similar path. How crazy are those UK festivals though? Like Slam Dunk? Yeah, man. UK goes pretty hard on festivals and I love it. Um, Slam Dunk's a great one. I mean, Slam Dunk's like the closest thing, in my opinion, to like a full like Reading Lead style festival, but yeah. the lineup's entirely alt scene. It really is quite impressive what they've done with it. But yeah, you know, I think they just recognize that the alt scene is not some small thing that, you know, people don't care about. It's it's big enough to do its own festival. I mean, like Warp Tour, same kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The, the big festivals over there, are, yeah, they're huge. Mm-hmm. They're great. It's a good time. People just like to party in England. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What do you want fans to take away from your music? Um, I guess that kind of depends, like different songs. Like sometimes a song can have a specific thing you want someone to take away, but in a general sense, just to, just to enjoy it, just to like try and understand the emotion that it's trying to get across. And, you know, if you can make them like feel the intention you had or feel what you feel when you listen to it that's like the ultimate goal i think and um give them goosebumps yeah it's hard man it's a hard thing to like be writing a song and think like it's about this and and there's this feeling that i have when i think about this memory and like to get that into a piece of music so when someone listens to it they understand it like that's dope so if you can get that that's incredible um but i don't know i guess anything else would just be like you know, such a cliche, and I hate to say it, but the whole like, if I'm doing it, like, truly anybody can. Like, yeah, I literally learned to produce like a few years ago just by watching stuff on YouTube. Like, you started on like Ableton, right? I started on Ableton. I literally I bought Ableton. I was staring at a screen without knowing what the fuck it meant, what it, <laughs> what if it did, and I just sat there for like the better part of like two years. I basically would just every day just sit on it and just drag a snare in and just like fuck around with EQ in it and trying to understand what that even meant and like then putting a kick in and like getting them to sit and just everything just step by step and just I'd listen to EDM tracks or watch however that I liked and just like try and figure out how they did it and yeah it it didn't you know it took a long time but if you want to learn something it's one day at a time you know so I guess it is kind of like a, anyone can do it, man. You got if you got YouTube, you can learn anything you want. Anything. And you just gotta put in your thousand hours, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's truly it. Did you ever get in any crazy van or bus accidents on the road? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh none that like ended up with anybody hurt, as far as I remember. I know two spring to mind. One was very early. I think he might have even been on a Spires tour. We had this driver, I won't name his name. Um, and he like fell asleep at the wheel and like kind of took us off the road. And thankfully he kind of sprang back into action with enough time to like get us to safety and back. But yeah, that was, that was pretty rough because it was late at nine. A few people were asleep. Um, you know, the, just the sound of stuff ones where like wheels have like exploded on a bus or whatever. And, you know, the thing is, on a bus, it's so fucking big that you can do some crazy shit and you won't really even feel it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think we've had any, like, holy shit moments like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, can't think of any. There probably is one, but I don't remember. So you used to manage other bands like Gardenside? Yeah. Like, what was that like? And what inspired you to take on that kind of responsibility? Yeah, it was great. I mean, to be honest with you, they'd be the first to say as well as I was like, I never really considered myself like a manager. I was never like, I'm going to manage now. I'm moving into the business. (laughs) It was more that just like, my friend was starting this band and he was sending me stuff and I thought it was really, really cool. And with it being like an old scene band, I was like, dude, like, why, you know, we just kind of like, why don't I just like manage? The plan was like, I'll just do stuff until a manager comes along and then I'll be like, dude, sick, go with him. Um, but it ended up lasting like a, a, a little while and yeah, I don't know. I just would do anything I could for them. I'd try and get them shows and, you know, talk to people about them and spread the word and help promote them purely just because I really liked their music and I thought they were great and I thought they deserved it and I just thought people would like the band I was like I love it so mm-hmm. yeah more than anything I was just a fan of the band that was it I just wanted to help them because I liked them um but it was fun you know it was, it was fun to kind of play that part every now and again and like make calls and be in that different position where it's not talking about my own thing or trying to figure something out for myself it was trying to help connect the dots for somebody else um but yeah, it, it was much more of a just like fun hang to hell the homie than like a conscious business plan kind of move. That perspective is probably why you had the imposter syndrome at those workshops. Like, yeah, more credit. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like delivering pizza? I know you did that before taking off with the band. Man, it was fucking awful. Right. I mean. Uh... Yeah, you get paid nothing, man. You get, out. and I'm from like a fucking little shit town in England. It wasn't even like <laughs> Domino's or feel like a franchise. It was like a standalone pizza chain. So there was like no corporate structure, no rules. No, it was literally just oh, like no. the guys making it up as he goes along. Just like, oh, like do it, and we'll just like give you this, yeah. and it'd just be like at the end of the night, I might get like a twenty note or something, and like a free pizza that got thrown away. But yeah. I just. You know, I was broke and I needed money anyway I could get it. So I did it. I mean, it wasn't actually the worst because when you get down to it, I was basically just driving around listening to music and occasionally dropping off a pizza. So that part was good. I didn't have to talk to anybody or like stand on a shop floor or whatever. I just, in my car, I'd pick up the pizza, put some tunes on, drop it off, rinse, repeat, you know? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So I don't know. I mean, it sucked because it's like such a like, you know, you're never going to get money out of that. But yeah. could have been worse. It could have been cleaning toilets, I suppose. So I'll take it. Oh, of course. That's true. Um, and I know the Kerrang issue came out while you were doing the job and you, you took off to one of your local stores to go check it out. Yeah, that was true. Yeah. And that was like right around the time that like we were talking earlier when everyone was like chatting mad shit about how, you know, we've got all this stuff and we, you know, we're industry plants and all this shit. I drove to Tesco, which is like our Walmart, whatever you want to call it. Um, with a pizza in my car that I was delivering to somebody and picked up the copy of Kerrang! was like reading about how we had signed to Hopeless and we were like the next fucking we were next you know we're next in line and it's gonna happen we're next like, deep Fuck it, <laughs> yeah can we get it going today because I'd quite like to fuck all this pizza business off to be honest yeah how um, did you quit yeah, yeah it was pretty funny do you have an epic quitting story honestly it was kind of weird I uh I remember I would like I basically couldn't be bothered to go one day. I, I, I'd done some like a bunch of days in a row and I yeah. just was like, 
I'm fucking not going today. So I call and say, hey man, like I got a flat tire. Like I can't, I can't do this tonight. Like, he was like, cool, cool, cool. Uh, you know, like call me, call me tomorrow when your tire's done, come work then. Super weird. I never called him again and he never called me again. And that was it. We just, <laughs> I, I said I'd be back tomorrow and we never spoke again. That was it. Maybe, I think maybe he knew. Maybe he read Korean or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Each other. Are you yeah. still into uh, illustration? I am, yeah. I don't do it as much as I used to. Like there was a few years there where I was going super hard. Um, I just been more busy with music, but yeah, I, I love illustration, man. I love, I love drawing and painting and all that kind of stuff. Definitely on just like a fun level more than anything else. Um, yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's a nice way to take a break from like staring at a screen and you know when you're in the mood to do something creative, but you don't want to do music one day or whatever. It, it, yeah, I like to just like stick a movie on and just like paint some shit and throw it away afterwards and carry on with my day. You know, it's there you go. Yeah, it's fun. I like it. Has COVID negatively affected your creativity? And if it has, what do you do to mitigate it? Say that one time. Um, has COVID negatively affected your creativity as an artist? And what do you do? To um, in the beginning, I think it almost helped it, to be honest, because um, I, you know, like everybody, I get FOMO and I, and I hate missing out on things and, you know, living in LA and there's so many people here and stuff like there's always something going on. There's always some event or some party or some thing that, you know, even if it's just like a homie being like, hey, like, let's grab dinner tonight. I haven't seen you in ages. And when COVID hit, obviously none of that was happening. So it was this really kind of like, refreshing feeling where i'd be sat in my studio working on stuff being like oh wow like every night you know that little bug sets in like oh you could just go get a beer with with thingy or you could just go get something to eat with thingy or you could go to that event tonight and not work and you do it whereas with covid it was like there is literally nothing happening out there like it's there's nothing so the (laughs) only thing to do is stay here and keep working and for like a good few months there in the early COVID thing, I was like crushing it. I was on a roll. I was just like getting up every day and just basically making music like all day for like three months or something. And it was awesome. It's not until more recently that I think the weird like COVID thing that people get, the you know, the cabin fever and the like loss of purpose kind of hit me. And now I'm going through a bit more of a like, I don't want to do it, but I don't want to not do it. I don't really want doing with my day a little bit, but I don't know. Those things ebb and flow. So yeah, it's weird. It's like pros and cons to that a little bit. Sometimes you got to get high and binge watch something, you know? Yeah, just Break get stoned. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You got to have a day off. Yeah. So here's a funny one. Uh, I heard you say this in an interview once. Chad Gilbert from Newfound Glory walked on you taking a shit. He did, yeah. I have a couple good stories about Chad Gilbert, actually. I love him. Ooh. There's a one that I really want to tell, but I, I feel like I shouldn't just because like, I don't know if he'd have an issue with it, which makes it sound really dark. And just, <laughs> like, a really dumb, just like, joke. I think, I think he's got a good sense of humor. <laughs> um, I'll save it just, just in case. But okay. um, yeah, the poop one was kind of funny. We were at this festival, South by So What, Nick D was playing, Newfound Glory was playing. Um, I think there was like a hopeless records kind of green room. And it was really early in the morning. I remember like the, the kind of arena was like empty. Um, 
and you know every every band guy knows the deal you get up you need to take a shit you go in the venue i'm like looking around the place is like empty this huge like baseball arena there's fucking nobody around it's like seven o'clock in the morning all the halls are like still dark so i'm just cruising through these hallways looking for a toilet <laughs> find a like disabled toilet i'm like cool i'll go in here i get in and i try to lock the door and i realize that the lock don't work and i'm like uh, you got your like legs i pop my head out and i'm like there's no fucking here i could sit here for an hour and no one's gonna find me the first <laughs> second my ass hit that seat i'm just you know on my phone doing my business the door opens it's chad gilbert and he's like oh no all right I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and he closed the door and went on his way that's amazing it's not a, it's not exactly a fucking story for the ages but it's pretty funny i suppose <laughs> I got kind of a similar story to be honest. Uh, yeah. It was at it was at Warp Tour. I used to get all access because I used Busted, to. Yeah. I used to know the tour manager for Man Overboard at the time, uh-huh. so he'd give me like the wristband and I can go like backstage and shit. Uh-huh. And I went backstage. I, I don't know if I met you, but I met Ben and I got like a picture with him. And then, no joke, not even like five minutes later, I I went in the bathroom and like he was in there taking a piss. And I'm just like, dude, I'm not going to go. Ben was. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, shoot, like, I'm not going to just go pee next to the guy that I just met. Like, that just makes oh, me feel dude, like I'm, I'm stalking him. Yeah. I think Banga is just like, you don't care. You share everything. <laughs> like, yeah. if Chad had walked in while I was shitting, I'd have been like, yeah, it's fine. Like, yeah. you're like, have fun. You want to be in there, it wasn't like, oh no, don't look at me. It was like, <laughs> all right. It was like, what's up, buddy? <laughs> yeah, he's a bloke. He gets it. Like, we all do it. We all poop. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and then I got kicked out of the catering line. That sucked. Why? What did you do? I just went in the catering line. I don't, I thought you were supposed to, if you're with like a band, like you should be able to get food, you right? Get, you think you only get food if you have like a, if you have laminate, like a laminate and then you can, you can like you can buy pay it. for it. Yeah. You if you're like a there for the day, you can pay for food, but you can't just get like a free. free <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just went right in the line. They're like, who are you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, they got to feed so many people. Like, if every single band guy had one guest, that's like yeah. three thousand people they have to now feed that they weren't yeah. feeding before. <laughs> and then all those people that win contests or do like music saves lives are also back there. So it's just yeah. So many oh people. yeah, there's like so many people. Yeah, and you don't you don't have to name names, but you've obviously probably met like some dicks at Warp Tour, right? Like in some bands. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Not even just at Warp Tour. Just you know. Just in general, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be those kind of people and. Yeah. Um, did you ever I, get to I'd meet? Like to, did you ever like get to meet Franz? Meet who? Sorry. Uh sorry, Franz from Attila. Yeah, yeah, I met him um, a handful of times. Yeah, yeah. I, he was always sweet to me. We, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say we ever like talked much, yeah. but we might have like been hanging out in a circle or had a little chat here and there. But yeah, I don't really know him to be honest. I I don't have much any experience with him. I, I know a little bit about what he's up to now, but. Yeah, no, I typically, really. I uh, I just went up to his signing, and mm-hmm. Attila had like this big signing, I just didn't go to it, I just figured, screw it, like, I'll just wait until the signing's over, and I'll catch him as he's walking away, Yeah. and I went up to him, and I'm like, yo, like, let's get a pick, he's like, man, you just missed the signing, and he was, like, walking away, like, <laughs> not even looking at me, it was so funny. Yeah, that's rough, man, that is rough. But he's funny, I mean, that's just his deal. I get it sometimes, like, yeah, for sure. Especially when there is a signing, because you know we we struggle with that sometimes. Like, if it's just a, a free for all, like, that's fine. But if yeah. somebody's like paid for it or queued up for it, 
that makes for sense. ages because it's really important to them and then like immediately after <laughs> a bunch of other people get it without doing any work like <laughs> yeah. but you know there's nice ways to say it they're just like oh hey man i'm really sorry i just like i can't really do it right now but yeah. like yeah but then if it's just one person i don't fucking know that's awesome yeah yeah, I was just running back and forth all day every time I was at Warped. There's too many bands I wanted to see. Dude, I, there was always at least yeah. one or two bands where I could only see like half of their set and go to the other one. So I ran back yeah. and forth between Major League and Handguns because like I didn't know any of Major League's new albums. So every time they played a new song, I just ran to Handguns and like ran <laughs> into a circle. Pit. Struggle, the festival struggle, man. Yeah. Did you ever get any of those crazy muddy sets at Warped Tour? Um. I've been in some ridiculous. Not in a couple, but I, th- I think we were always pretty lucky. I mean generally speaking warp tour is just like a hot day and it's dry and yeah there was a we you know we lived through a lot of like crazy storm days but i don't know i feel like with warp tour it was always like one or the other it was usually like a really hot day and great or some crazy storm and nobody's playing yeah. there wasn't ever really one where like it's caning it down with rain and there's mud but for some reason everyone's still on stage doing their thing um yeah. so yeah i don't i don't remember any like crazy muddy I remember crazy muddy days, but just not like us being on stage playing to a crowd of just mud, you know, I think with health and safety and stuff, as soon as that rain starts coming on like a real level, they just like have to pull the plug. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe back in the nineties, they would have done it. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you participated in any of the, like the virtual shows during quarantine? Um, I can't say I have, to be honest. Ooh, I sound I... like a fucking miserable bastard. I just, I don't <laughs> I get it. I, I don't, like, I, I get the reason for doing it. Yeah. And I get that it's like, people are trying and it's, it's kind of trying yeah. to keep momentum, yeah. keep people excited. I respect it. Not your thing. But if you want me to sit there and say, I'm I like, I'm going to open my laptop and watch somebody fucking play in my living room. <laughs> it's not going to happen, mate. Just it's not going to happen. So I'll be like, have a good time. I'll be fucking watching Netflix. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll watch it after, maybe, you know? Hell yeah. yeah. Maybe I'm just a fucking old cynical bastard, though. I just, I don't know. It just doesn't, yeah. doesn't, it, it doesn't give me that buzz that, you know, I love watching live music, man. We all do. That's why we do this. Like, I don't get the feeling from watching it that way. Yeah. Some bands do it pretty good, particularly, like, the ones that, like, they, they're seeing the live chat while they're performing. Yeah. Those are the ones that work out better, but the ones yeah. where, like, you can tell yeah. they pre-recorded it and then it's live and they're acting like it's happening yeah. now. You're like, no, I, I definitely get it. And I, I've seen a couple where they've like really gone all out and done some really cool, like creative things to make it an exciting experience for a fan. And I respect that super hard. Um, I just haven't really seen any, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. So you and I fucking hate spiders. She's a fan. I love spiders. Dude. I'm just like, how is that even possible? No, absolutely not. They're wonderful creatures, and they they eat all of the pests. They they keep mosquitoes They're disgusting away. beasts, and they deserve to die. <laughs> no. they, they're, they're they don't even have the audacity to fucking come into a house. Like, stay out in the fucking forest where you belong. Stay in the cold. They keep the flies away. You can you can. I'll like... fucking I'll hang out with the flies. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I scare them onto a sheet of paper and get a cup and put them outside. Nah, for real. I, I, it's uh, it's been in me for I'm just terrified of them and I I don't know why I don't know how I just I'm so scared of them that I hate them and that's it really. <laughs> the real problem is when you see it. I mean, it's not the problem is when you see it is when they disappear. Oh, and I'm just fucking leaving yeah. in the room. 
if I see one in a room and then I can't find it, like I can't sleep in that room. I just leave. Yeah. I mean, if I'm it makes you, I'll come back like the next day. If it makes you feel any better, they really don't want to be near you because it's basically I mean, like if you were Jack and the Beanstalk and like you walked into a room, you're not going to go walk on the giant. You don't want to do that. Like, I mean, I get that. Like, I understand the concept. Yeah. Like, it's an animal and it doesn't want to hurt me. And it could, even <laughs> if it wanted to attack me, it, it, like, there's nothing it could do. Yeah. I, it's just some weird yeah. Yeah. DNA thing. I just, yeah. I look at it and my body shuts down and I'm like, I'm going to die if that thing comes near me. And yeah, I don't know. At that's least really- on the scale of things to be scared of, I think that's a pretty like respectable one. Yeah. You know, I'm not scared of like, cats or something like some really cute little fluffy creature like ah, i'm scared dude i've had i've had some scary cat moments though i've had cats chase me i like hearing cats can be pretty savage yeah dude they like just out of nowhere one of them's like nice and the other one's just like you know yeah those, those ones are out there but even those ones i'm not like scared of them i'm afraid once of it like makes that noise you're like okay you want to be left alone we're cool <laughs> i love spiders i'm afraid of dogs yeah I can understand that. I love dogs. Big dogs. I- I'm a little bit scared of like really big dogs. Not like in the same like fear that I have for spiders, but like if I see a fucking big ass dog, I'm like, that yeah. fucking thing could kill me <laughs> if it wanted to. And I don't like that. I don't like, I don't trust it. <laughs> like my, um, my partner who I'm in this project with now, he wants to get a Great Dane, like the biggest fucker oh. you can imagine. Oh no. And I'm like, yeah, that's scary. That's scary. I mean, they're cute to look at, and when they're having fun, that's great. I'll pet it, like you know, it's sweet. But like, if that fucking thing turns on you, yeah. like if it just has a wire crossed and it goes mental, or if it has like, a little too like a little much fun, yeah, yeah, I could fucking swat a French bulldog away and be <laughs> fine. My like, cousin Kyle, oh, yeah. my cousin Kyle has two Rottweilers and a German Shepherd. So every time no. we go to his yeah, house, it's like, damn. That thing could tear uh-huh. your throat out if it wanted to. Yeah. Like, you yeah. can train a dog to do that. So, yeah. like, it's possible. Yeah. They trained them yeah. good, though. They're Luckily, they're both really nice, all three of them. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely not, like, scared of it. Like, if someone has one, I'm not going to go in their house. Like, I'm down. But there's always a little part of me that's like, yeah. I think it's not just going to, like, randomly attack me for no reason, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> dogs make me super anxious like the way like when people see a spider that's how i feel about dogs even like little tiny fluffy yes. ones wow yes. that's interesting she I, just met my dog today and i'm like Ugh. but he i mean he's nice though yeah he's he, a nice like attacked by one as a child or something no he... nothing it's just a dna thing like i don't know maybe my people had to deal with wolves or something <laughs> maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe spiders were like super deadly just don't yeah. watch don't watch <laughs> eight-legged <laughs> speak yeah like most people fucking are scared of spiders because yeah, biologically we, we've learned to be scared. To Generally speaking, yeah. they're poisonous and they would hurt us and it's in our DNA to be scared out of protection, whereas dogs, like, we don't have that. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Have you seen the movie Eight-Legged Freaks? Oh, great movie. I love great it. Great fucking movie. But that movie, like, after you watch it, if you see a spider, it's over. But yeah, arachnophobia and shit like that. In almost every movie, whenever, like, horror movies, especially old-timey ones, whenever they have those big, hairy spiders that are, like, brown and orange yeah. those are mexican red knee tarantulas and they're not dangerous at all the most they can do is flick hairs at your face that are itchy yeah but they always use those as the like oh my gosh it's deadly and it's like <laughs> no like people yeah. have those they're literally like pets it's like be like yeah. saying like somebody being afraid of like a mouse yeah well no when we, when we did um fucking last night to get you 
Jeremy McKinnon, we did at his house. He has a pet tarantula. Oh, um, dude. So every day I'd be like, I swear <laughs> to God, Jeremy, if you fucking get that thing out, like I'm leaving. That dude's wild. Pulling the plug, end of story. But he was saying that it was like really, really old. And he said, if I take it out, it'll just die in my hand. So I have to just leave it. <laughs> I don't think it moved the whole like two months we were there, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Oh, poor baby. One more thing about Life's Not Out to get to you, I totally forgot to mention. I was supposed to be in the Gold Steps video, and I'm still bitter about it today. No because, way. Yeah, I, I emailed back then. It was in like Allentown, Pennsylvania, right? If you say so, yeah. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. They were I know like, it was in Pennsylvania, but that's about as much as I remember. Yeah, because like I said, I'm from Buffalo. We have an Allentown in our area too. So I thought like, holy shit, like that's like right up the street. And then I realized okay. it was like a six hour drive and I was going to do it. But then I had like a test. I was in high school. So Fuck. I was fucking bummed. Okay. But Just a fun day, man. That was really, really fun. That's probably one of the coolest videos you guys ever did. Yeah. And then really, really fun. we got like a little fun speed round here. Sure. The end of this motherfucker. So uh, let's see. Favorite Blink album? Take off your pants and jacket. Really? Yeah. yeah. Favorite Neck Deep song? Um. Oh my god, I'm ruining the idea of a speed round here, aren't I? Definitely Either Roots or Wish You Were Here. Favorite tour you've ever done? Um. Probably one of the like future hearts all time low ones. Okay. Grape jelly or strawberry jelly? Both are dope, but I guess strawberry if I had to pick. I'm a grape. Favorite hardcore band? Oof. Backtrack. Dude, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> I was listening to them last night. I was nice. I was spinning the uh, bad to my world. Nice. Favorite slipknot song. Ooh. Duality. Ooh, so good. That's yeah. a good answer. It's an obvious one, but it's such a banger. Like <laughs> That's hard for me because I feel like duality might be one of mine too, but like Spit It Out was the first one I ever heard, I think. Yeah. That's popular just one. the most popular because it's the best. I was in like second grade and my friend John showed me Wait and Bleed and yeah. Spit It Out back in like 2004 or three, I think. Yeah. I probably don't get any cool points for that because it's like a single, but it's a good song. I like it. That's got that's gotta be one of the best music videos of all time, too, though. Yeah, cool so good. Uh favorite a day to remember song. Ooh, that's hard, man. I, I know you're a big them. fan of them. I am love them. Um oh my god. Better off this way, maybe. It's a really random deep cut, but just that chorus is I love the melody. It's so good. Good shit. Who do you most want to collaborate with? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, fuck. I don't even know, man. That's tough. I mean. Definitely Glenn Danzig. I'll take Ghost. Oh, really? Oh. Dude, I love that band. Sick. <laughs> have you seen them? Uh, I have a couple times, actually. Yeah. Do you see them with on the Maiden tour? I saw them at a couple like festivals that we were like on in Europe. Something. I've never seen them at like a headline show, which I really want to. Yeah. Dude, they're freaking amazing live. Um, favorite venue to play? Uh, Brixton Academy. Hell yeah. Nice. Is that where you opened for Blank or was that Wembley? Yeah, it was, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, favorite sport to play? Um, I don't really play any sport, but I guess if I had to pick one, maybe basketball? Hell yeah. 
Favorite to watch? Favorite sport to watch? Ice hockey. Ooh, who's your team? Um, I mean, I guess I have to say Kings, just being here. Yeah. It was always yeah. Bruins before, but to be honest, I don't really like subscribe to a team. I'd be lying if I said I did. And I know it's like super a big no-no to like switch teams, but the only reason I liked Bruins first was because ice hockey is just not a thing in England. And I had this one homie I hung out with a lot when I was growing up. And for some reason he was super into ice hockey and he supported the Bruins. And when we started coming out here for the first time, like a couple of the guys were super into hockey and everyone kind of had like a team and Bruins was like the only team I knew. So I was like, Oh cool. I'll just, I'll vibe with them and I'll, you know, keep track of their score. That's fun. It really. <laughs> also, is that a golf wing? Uh, sweater? It is, yeah. Dude, hell yeah. You like that feature? I do. Yeah. I, I'm not like a big fan. I'm not particularly into yeah. hip hop in, in general, but yeah. It's the kind of thing I'll just like slap on every now and again and vibe out to and yeah, about it. Their shows were crazy back back in the day, back in like 2012. I went to see them. It's like a mosh pit, like a hardcore show. Yeah, I've seen videos and stuff. I've never seen it live, but oh, I bet it was sick. It was insane. Um, so did you play any sports growing up? Uh, when I was like really young, I played a bit of football or soccer, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not really. I was never really a sports guy. Hell yeah uh yeah your turn so what's your favorite sports team in general um buffalo bills yeah to be honest i don't really have one um yeah i guess i'll just say the kings because that's what my wife would want me to say i don't do the sport i don't do sports so i get it (laughs) i just don't understand because it's like people make such a big deal out of it but and I, and I never understood because a few guys in next year were like massive football guys, like massive, and they talk about it all day and all fucking night, <laughs> every fucking game. So it's like, oh, we beat you here, but we beat you here, and it's like, dude, but you guys are gonna play again in like a week. Like I don't like if they did one tournament every ten years, and it's like winner takes all. It was like the I'd Olympics. Be, I'd be for it, you know. I'd be like, I get it, but it's like, I just don't understand how nobody else gets it like it's just this like money-making machine where like there's no resolution there's no stakes there's no like oh my team won it's like well so what they're gonna have to fucking play again next week like who cares and sometimes they like exploit the players and stuff so it's kind of like yeah i I, maybe that's just why i don't like i just don't i don't get it i don't understand that mindset that people have about it where they're like oh if they lose they're so upset about it i'm like why dude uh, soccer is the most tedious i hate playing soccer that's the one sport i hate i like playing soccer but i don't really like sports in general but that might just be my like emo kid background unless i'm yeah. playing like world cup with my friends which that's kind of fun you're only on like half of the field that's that's yeah the world cup i, I can understand a little bit because that's a bit more of a thing and it's countries and that but like yeah especially with like football as a whole mm-hmm. man people some of the guys in the would hate me for saying this but like yeah when I look at all the different sports, whether it's fucking golf or archery or fucking <laughs> tennis, when you look at football, to me, I see that as like the least impressive one in terms of like skill. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm not saying you can't be incredibly skilled at football. Obviously you can and you can do some things and that are like, wow, I you know, obviously you know, you know another person can do that. But 
I think being the best player at football in the world versus being like the best at like golf, mm-hmm. I think that takes so much more skill and is so much more like, wow, when you see something incredible. Mm-hmm. But it's a very unpopular opinion, but that's just me. I just don't get it. I don't understand why <laughs> people think it's as good as it is. So tomorrow, my team, Buffalo Bills, is going up against Kansas City. If we win, we're going to the Super Bowl. So that's yeah. this is like the one moment I'm excited for. But I'm yeah, that's why like I'll even watch the Super Bowl because that one I can like yeah. understand a bit. There's like a little bit of like it's a prestigious thing. Like and the ad okay, I mean, granted, win or lose, you're gonna fucking get another shot next year or whenever yeah. it happens. But hundred percent. It's probably why I make music though. I just, I just I'm not wired that way, you yeah. know. I'm sure there's sports people who would sit here and say I just don't get why people care about music. Like I don't get why anyone thinks it's cool, you know. It's just yeah. just the way my brain is, I suppose. Favorite video game? Oh wow, that's tough. I used to play video games loads, but I haven't owned a video game console for about ten years now, so I'm very behind. Yeah. Favorite video game. One of them would have to be Gears of War because that was a really big deal for me at the time and I loved it. Love it. The other one is a game called Dungeon Keeper that nobody knows about for some reason. And I think I'm the only person in the world who had it. (laughs) Because I've told so many people and everyone's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I feel like I've heard of it. Yeah, it sounds familiar, but I definitely don't know. It was an old PC game right around the era of like Age of Empires and Theme Hospital and Rollercoaster Tycoon. And it was like one of those god games where you're above and you build a dungeon instead of build like you know in the sims you, know, you build a house yeah. in this you build a dungeon there's all these different creatures that can come and and then heroes come in and attack and you have to like rebuild the rooms and fight them off and why wasn't that more popular that sounds amazing. I know it's because it was basically like a carbon copy of like those other games like age of empires and stuff with just different uh-huh. branding instead of it being about like <laughs> old-timey war scenarios it was about like demons versus wizards and i just fucked with it it was so good dude sims was my shit though i'm glad you mentioned that remember rosebud oh yeah got money favorite n64 game oh shit definitely mario party yeah it has to be anything from that collection one of the mario games for sure i didn't ever own an n64 but i had friends who had one i always wanted one but i just didn't get one um i bought I a new one Mega drive instead i'll kick anyone's asses kirby on super smash brothers fuck yeah i bought i bought a new nintendo 64 during quarantine oh hell yeah it's been fun uh favorite food uh thai food or ramen not like a particular dish i live yes. the ramen life Thai food, my favorite dish is drunken noodles. Ooh, that sounds good. What's your ramen brand? So fucking good. Favorite ramen, just like a spicy tonkatsu, just like a regular, Mm. regular tonkatsu. Or at Tatsu, they have this red ramen, which is like ground beef, and it's so good. How hot is it? You can get it like mild, medium, or hot, so it's kind of up to you. I get it hot just because I love spicy shit, but. See, if I did that, I'd be having some serious pain on my backside. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have that too, but it's worth it. <laughs> is it worth it? <laughs> yeah, For me, it is. I love spicy food. I don't know. Yeah, I got burn your face. Um, favorite horror movie? Oh, Jesus Christ. That's so hard. I'm like so into horror movies. Um, yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, this answer could change every hour, but if I had to pick right now, um, Hereditary. Oh, really? Dude, yeah. 
I love that one. So, dude, Ari Aster is fucking amazing. Did you like Midsummer? I did. I didn't like it as much as Hereditary, but I still really loved it. It gets better with more watches. It does. I've seen it about three times now, and and I think it's crazy, and I think it's a masterpiece, and I love it. Yeah. And I think it was really bold to do it that way, and I think that, like, with such a, like, happy floral-looking kind of aesthetic. Yeah. Juxtaposed with, like, the horror of it makes it so good, and, oh, he's just one of my favorite directors. I think he's incredible. He's working on... He's working on a four and a half hour dark comedy right now. That's, that's, that's good. That. Yeah. That sounds great. I can't wait. I'm sure it'll be great. I hope it's just nuts the whole time because four and a half hours, yeah. that's just like. Either that or The Witch is. is Ooh, dude, I love The Witch. I love The Witch. Oh, oh just. They just get the whole like lore of it all like perfectly. They just. I've never seen a movie get that like feeling across as well as they did. It's so good. When I saw that in theaters, dude, that just oh blew me away. Yeah, I saw it in theaters actually on a neck deep tour. Like all, it was like an off oh. day, and like everybody went in the crew, and like it was like 2015. Most people came out like that was fucking shit, and I was like, what? What is wrong yeah. with you? That was like the best thing I've ever seen. Same with Hereditary, though. I mean, everybody's like divided on that shit. Too. I saw the like I saw the lighthouse before I went to go see the story so far once, and like I literally left and just like went to the show, and it was just the weirdest thing. I was just yeah. like, that I wasn't was the biggest there. fan. I think people, some people just, like, don't get that, like, area of horror. They need that, like... Yeah. They just need blood and they need... The house, fucking, like, the nun or the fucking Shit's conjuring so and shit. And I love those, too. I love a good, like, popcorn horror movie. I do. I'm not, like, a snob. I don't only like <laughs> horror movies. I'm about it, but, like, I can appreciate them both for what they are. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. like, a popcorn horror movie, and it's great. But this is, like, a fucking piece of art. And if yeah. you don't get it, you're going to think it's shit. And but, it has that stage play vibe. Dude, That's really nice. Blumhouse, so, Blumhouse is really good in the beginning, but they've been putting out some shit. Except for yeah. Freaky that just came out in the past year was great. The one with Vince Vaughn. I kind of gave up on them, to be honest. I haven't seen a lot of their newer stuff. I, I was yeah. in it for a long time. And very much like, yeah, they're doing the popcorn Hollywood horror jump scare thing. Yeah. It's cool. Some of them had good themes, and they were, they were well shot, and they were cool. But towards the end, it just was like cookie-cutter assembly line, like, it was yeah. the same movie, just with like a slight variation on some sort yeah. of monster, and it was just like, I'm, I'm done with this. I think you know. I couldn't stand what they did with Halloween. That really bothered me. Someone's got to yeah. do it though. Yeah. So, favorite episode or moment from The Office? Oof, that's a tough one, man. Um, For sure. I mean, it's such a like obvious one, but the dinner party will always be a classic. I know that's like so many people's favorite episode, but. I think that's just a testament to the fact that it is a great episode. And, Which dinner party, though? Which one? Um, like Michael and Jan's. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. That's um, yeah, just so good. I love, so, like, the first season, too. Like, the first couple of seasons were freaking hilarious. Yeah, there's some really great moments early on. And when he yeah. drops the chili. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Big fan. Favorite Beatles album? fucking hell um the Real white sure. album I, I don't really listen to the beatles to be honest it's okay it's okay to admit that. Way, i'm not gonna sit here and pretend i like could even name more than two or three of their records i mean i know the hits like everybody does but that's just not like the upbringing i had you know like that's yeah for sure yeah. Like, introduction to music like I, I skip straight past that and like i've gone back and like listened and i understand and respect it but yeah for I, sure I, just, oh, I don't really know to be honest it's kind of like when you watch an old movie with like cliches 
that yeah. that movie created how that movie just seems really played out i feel like that exactly yeah kind of yeah they got a kick-ass documentary coming out on them though well uh, peter jackson oh, i'll definitely check that out i love yeah uh weirdest american food um weirdest american food probably a lot of shit out here <laughs> yeah i don't know that i i mean you know we're in pretty modern day like england has its own stuff but like generally speaking it's pretty westernized there's i don't think there's any like culture shock food that i can think of it's there's more just things that like <laughs> exist but aren't as great like donuts oh. like obviously we have donuts in england and people will eat them here and there yeah. but like there's some sort of like fascination with donuts out here that i will never understand have, I, you, have you been to donut friend I have, and it's great. Don't get me wrong. I, yeah. I eat about half of one of them, and I'm like, that was that was a pleasant, sweet <laughs> treat. But I do not understand. Near me, there's a Krispy Kreme, and these fuckers line up in cars in like fucking mile long lines, like for hours. Yeah. And I'm like, to get a donut, like really? And it's like all hours of the night. They're oh, there at like one in the morning. It's like that. Well, like, get it. Ten years before that, it was cupcakes. Like people were obsessed with cupcakes and would line up for cupcakes. Really? Yeah, like, even less than even donuts. Like I sprinkles. Agree. Yeah. I, like I like if someone offers me a donut, I'm probably gonna be like, yeah, cool, I'll have a donut. But like I I do not understand why there's such a big deal out here. <laughs> Maybe I'm just more of a savory guy. Maybe that's all it is. It might yeah. Be yeah. That, but yeah, I can't think of any like crazy foods out here that shock me to be honest okay probably just the weird stuff like biscuits how they're not like biscuits yeah we don't really have biscuits but then that, that, that doesn't like they're not the same thing me. it's still a pretty normal thing even if you've never had it you know it's not like a scorpion tail or something like yeah yeah uh most offensive british insult um like to say to somebody or that somebody can say to me yeah either <laughs> what's well, like the most offensive thing you could say if you're british to another british person or anybody but that's kind of the whole thing with england there isn't one like people don't care in england uh, that's like the point like it's a lot less like yeah, snowflakey out here like like people yeah. <laughs> drop the c-bomb like it's nothing it's like a term of endearment <laughs> you know it's yeah like no, people just don't get offended as easily in England. I mean, they do nowadays, like the internet shit. But like, people culturally so speaking, it's just I feel like, it's like a funny thing. Yeah. Like insulting somebody's like funny. I don't know. Yeah. Like here, everybody gets all like offended, like when you use the curse word. Ooh. But yeah. like, yeah, it's not really like that in England. Normal. There's nothing somebody could say to me that like with the intent to try and like insult me because i'm english like I, I, there's nothing somebody could say that would remotely bother me <laughs> i'd yeah, like find are, it hilarious people are just soft out here it's a good way to yeah be. i don't know what song or collaboration are you most proud of Ooh. um song that i've like been on would probably be something from my like new project that's not even out yet technically uh, oh. music wise obviously the project's out um we have a couple songs on this record that we're doing right now that i'm just like fuck like i'm really fucking proud of them because you know when we were doing the pop punk thing we made some great music and i think we did some really good stuff but we weren't making anything that no one hadn't heard before mm -hmm. whereas like i really feel like with this new thing 
you know, we're not reinventing music, but I do truly believe that there's an element of like uniqueness and originality to this stuff. And it's, I can't think of another project that's kind of doing a similar kind of sound. Mm-hmm. Broad strokes I can, but like, I don't know. There's just something in those new ones that I'm really, really proud of. It's probably just because it's the newest stuff I've worked on. And in a year from now, there'll be something else I'm proud of. But yeah. So World's First that. World's First Cinema is the new project. Yeah. So yeah. that's like, I, I was listening to a thing on it, like your last podcast, and you you describe it as like movie trailer type yeah. sound. So tell us about that. Well, it, it definitely is that because that's like what it originally was supposed to be for. Yeah. Um, me, and, me and the other guy who do it, John, we were making this EP for a sync thing. So it wasn't ever supposed to be a band. It was supposed to be music that gets pitched for movie trailers and things like that. So yeah, the reason it sounds like movie trailers is because it was literally supposed to be <laughs> Um And then we just started having so much fun with it and we liked the way it sounded and it, it went so much beyond that that we turned it into a project. And yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I think... Sonically now with the newest stuff, like it, it's gone a little bit further away from that. It's not quite as movie trailery now that we are writing it with the intent of it being like group, music yeah. to listen to, not music just to hear in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we kept a lot of them them elements because we feel like that's what made it special in the first place. And we do a lot of like kind of scoring and trailer esque production on the tracks. And that's mm-hmm. kind of my point where I feel like it's kind of unique. You know, we have these parts and these songs where like to me, it really does just like, you wouldn't listen to him and be like, oh, what band is this? You'd be like, oh, this is like a movie trailer. This is sick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just love all that stuff. I think it's so fun. It's really pretty. Like it, when you listen to it, I feel like you can see a whole world. That's literally the goal that. with it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes me really happy to hear because pretty much with each of these songs, because originally we were doing them for trailers, you don't sit down and, and write a song like that with the intent like, oh, you know, some girl broke up with me. I want to write a song about it. You're like, we knew a song that could be pitched for a trailer where it's like a psychological thriller. Like we want to paint a spirit of like there's a there's a fucking killer on the loose. And like those are the kind of like ideas you're trying to come up with for the sound. So when people say things like that, you know, we've had comments about that where it's like, oh yeah, like I it's like a little world that I'm listening to. It's like that means that it's working. That's like exactly what we want it to feel like. Are you planning like some crazy music videos around those? Dude, so much. We actually had this whole, we have this single that's going on this record we're doing on and we've been planning this music video for like six months and it's super, super elaborate because the music is so cinematic and trailery. We want the, the, the visuals and the branding, everything to be like that too. We want to create this little universe. We've got this whole like crazy backstory that's like inspired by like weird folklore and cult stuff and like hot vintage movies and each of these songs represents a different kind of like monster almost. Yeah. I don't want to give too much away, but like that's fine. I swear my first thought when I heard heard this project was gothic fairy tale. Yeah, so that's, that's like basically so yeah. excited. Yeah. We wanted to do this weird, like ritualistic cult thing. And we've got all these like different like kind of characters and, and creatures yeah. roaming, like that consistently come up through the songs and um yeah, for music videos, we, I won't give anything away because we are still doing it. It's been cancelled because oh, yeah. of COVID. Yeah, but it'll we, happen. We were supposed to fly to London to shoot it exactly. in this, like, crazy old castle. Um, oh, dude, that's so yeah, sick. it was going to be so good, but uh, yeah, we've got to push it. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But my dream is that, like, it looks like 
like we were talking about before, there's like A24 horror is like the witch and yeah, so that kind of, like that's the feeling we want from the visual. You know, so like you, if, if the witch was a band, what would it sound like? That's the goal. So you're gonna get some really good cameras, like some red cameras, probably or something like that. I mean, I personally am not more qualified, creative, yeah. incredible people will do it, but yeah, like yeah, it's oh, yeah. Tough, you know, it's hard to do videos. We yeah, don't have a bunch of money. We have some budget for it, yeah. so we have to get pretty creative. But yeah, that that is the that's the plan. Yeah, <laughs> that's sick. The only other band that I know that's really pushing the envelope or the boundaries with music videos right now is Code Orange. Have you seen some yeah. of those videos? Yeah, some of those are crazy. Freaking insane. It's tough though, because like they're so expensive to do, and these days they don't really do anything. Like a music yeah. video back in the day was a really big deal because like big deal MTV yeah. and those those music video channels were a huge, huge deal for breaking bands, sources of income. Nowadays, you spend a fortune on a music video literally just to put it on YouTube so people can watch it, and nothing else comes from it. Like music videos aren't as like important, which sucks because our yeah. specific vision is so reliant on them, but. Mm -hmm. We're just going to do them the way we want to do them and have fun with it and whatever, really. But if you do it well enough, everyone will see it. Like Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think it can still, like, help break a band and people can share a video because it's a great video, but it's just not as, like, it's not as much of a thing anymore. People generally only watch videos of bands they already like, and they only really share it if it's, like, something meme-related or something that's, like, a... A shareable aspect if it's just a good video i think generally people go like oh that was a great video mm -hmm. back to my day you know it's like yeah. cool yeah we dropped like a fortune <laughs> on that for it to be watched once and forgotten about <laughs> yeah for sure i mean i have listened to bands before though because they had a good video like dog like made a music video that was exactly like clerks and oh, i yeah. never heard of them yeah. before so it That's does work sometimes visuals yeah. work so i'm hoping that we can do a thing like get that feeling across and maybe like find our way to those like a24 horror movie fans mm -hmm. who might genuinely like the project and the band because of that i think that'd be really cool absolutely uh is there anything that you would like to plug or is there anything coming up from you that's coming soon um yeah i guess just the two things like wills for cinema is kind of my my, my gig right now and i'm super yeah. proud of it super excited about it it's still super early we only put out the first song a couple months ago but it's doing really well and so good. that's going to be the project that like is going to be happening i think and um i think if people give it a try i think they'll like it i hope and i don't know <laughs> if, if you want to check it out check it out that'd be great if not, oh, yeah. no worries. And then Problem Child 2, you know, I'm going to be putting out stuff here and there with that and having a lot of fun with it. So awesome. It's kind of what I'm working on right now. Where can your fans find you? Um, all the usual places Instagram. I have Twitter. I don't use it, to be honest. Instagram's probably the main place to find it all. Um, yeah, the, the projects are just like their own names on Instagram. Mine is just Phyllis Thorpe, F I L I S Thorpe. Uh, pretty much it man awesome well thank you so much right. for for doing this for us uh i just got one, i just got one more thing i saved it for the end because i thought it was a little awkward and i wanted to bring it up um sure. kind of the obvious thing um so a couple months ago i'm at my building right my apartment building i see this yeah. dude i see this dude that looks kind of like phil from neck deep right so i'm like shit i see this dude i'm like wait a second that's phil from neck deep but there's no way 
And then I hear your voice and I'm like, shit, that's Phil from neck deep. <laughs> and then I don't no know way. if you've noticed, but I've passed you tons of times here. And yeah, we live like in the same building. Well, like in this building. Yeah. Like legit. Dude, that's really funny you say that because I hadn't noticed, but there was the other day, I think you had messaged me about podcast. Okay. And I think I went down to check my mail or something. And I think I saw a box and it had your last name on it. Really? And for a split second <laughs> with like, whilst thinking about it, whilst also like not thinking about it, I was like, <laughs> hmm. I wonder. And then I saw immediately was like, nah, probably not. Like, no, that, that's kind of what happened. That's yeah, that's like exactly what happened with me. It's like I I saw you that first time, right? And I heard your voice. I'm like, there's the British accent. I'm like, okay, that definitely is true then. But then I didn't think you lived here. I just was like, oh, sick. Phil from Neck Deep's here. And then literally just, I don't know, like maybe a week or two later, I saw a package that had your name on it when I was looking for my package. Yeah. And then that's when I was like, damn, he lives here. And then, yeah, we've just like cross each other tons of times but i just didn't want to make it awkward i don't want to come up to you dude that's great so wait which 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 one do you live in which unit yeah i'm a, i'm <laughs> okay so i'm in so i'm above you yeah you're right above <laughs> you're that's right above like, this room. that's mental you're like 30 feet from me probably. Know that. that's crazy yeah so well we have to cut that bit out but yeah, yeah no. <laughs> Oh, of course, that was the plan, but that's yeah, why I did it to the, at the end. Showing up at your door. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm gonna cut it all out. But I just wanted that to say, yeah, dude, it's fucking nuts. And I just uh, definitely would like to meet you eventually. We'd both yeah. like to meet you. Yeah. And dude, uh, 100%. I mean, that's like the best case scenario. It's like exactly, yeah. The only reason I don't go and hang out with people is because I can't be bothered to go anywhere. But you're like, <laughs> yeah, so. hell yeah, dude. Yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to make it less that a bit. We can make it happen. Yeah, for sure. That's so, yeah. sick, man. Yeah, I just didn't want it to be like awkward, like we do this, and then you know. Yeah, totally. That's such a crazy coincidence. Isn't How that long crazy? Have you been in this building? I've lived here since last October. Okay, cool. Yeah, we we got here like. How long we got here? We've been here about a year and a half, I think. So that's about the same then. Sort of. About the same. Yeah, I think we came in in like. Honestly, I think it was October as well. No way. I honestly think it was. Because <laughs> it was I, right I, after my wedding and that was in september so it would either have been like the last week of september or like the first week of october yeah i moved in october 10th it's fucking yeah, crazy basically moved in on the same day wow same day. wow yeah because i was in north hollywood before this yeah i was over in koreatown oh, how was that yeah, it was all right yeah i liked the location we just we only had a one bedroom and we were yeah. getting a bit cramped um, mm-hmm. yeah i like it here though do you like this book I love Burbank, yeah. It's nice. Burbank's great, man. Especially when the AMCs are open. Yes. Oh my god, dude. When that thing was open, I literally just basically every walked. day would just go just and walk there. Yeah. Yeah, I just walked there. Even if I had like nothing to watch, I had the the AMC pass thing. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Like Twenty bucks a like, month. Bored, like, I'm gonna see a movie I don't even want to see just because like I can. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's twenty bucks a month. Totally worth it. You get like three movies dude, a week. So worth it. Well, when and it then, opens again, we can start doing that. Yeah, hell yeah. And then I think also the other time I saw you, I think, were you running once? Do you run? I try every now and again. I when I start I saw feeling you. really guilty about myself, I'll, I'll do a couple runs. Because I thought I saw you running with this one dude. And this was like a long, this was probably like eight months ago or something. Like one probably. of the first times. A buddy of mine, Robbie, who was in Gardenside, okay. um, the drummer, he lives a block down. Oh, hell yeah. 
Um, so we like we go on walks a lot around, you know. Yeah. Park. Was it Brand Park? Is it up there? Brace Canyon. Brace. The the the, the park with like the library. Ooh, I don't know. There's a park. If you come out of our building, just go straight up and then right. There's a big ass park. Isn't that like pretty too far down? Yeah, that's like three miles away, Brace Canyon. Yeah, we we walk there like they got the basketball court. To, just to like get out and stretch legs and shit like that. Oh yeah, I love it there. But yeah, Burbank's Sweet. the best, man. Got everything we need right on our doorstep. Yeah, I was gonna say something. I forgot what I was gonna say. Shit. Small world though. But yeah, Carol Freed, our manager. <laughs> <laughs> You, you remember, do you met her yet? Yeah, a bunch of times. We fucking have her here all the fucking time because all the fucking taps are always breaking and shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's like that in your unit, but we love our unit. It's great, yeah. but fucking hell. Whatever they're doing with the water in this building, I don't understand. Dude, are your pipes Every all messed up? Are your, are your Dude, pipes? every fucking week I turn a tap on and just nothing happens. And I'm like, yeah, it's dead again. Come <laughs> back. Like, do you get, uh, what's this, Jerry? You know Jerry, the, the fatter, like, Dude, I love him. Yeah, he's cool. He's so sweet, bless him. But he always comes around to fix things and, like, bless his heart, he gets, like, super into it. And he'll come in and I'm, like, just woken up or whatever. And he's just like, yeah, dude, my fucking my birthday this week. I'm doing this. this yeah, <laughs> he doesn't shut up. Yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good. He's got, he's got that blind dog. Yeah, he's super Aww. sweet. Yeah. There was a couple of days back in the summer where I, like, hit the pool or whatever. And he's just, like, chilling, talking to me. And yeah. He's, like, He's so sweet. I really like it. <laughs> Dude, what about those assholes downstairs? Do you hear the people playing guitar at like midnight? I don't know, man. Like we're, we're top floor, furthest yeah. left corner. So we're pretty far uh, away. Dude, um, they're like directly below me. This girl sings like karaoke at like one in the morning with all the yeah. windows down. Yeah. Right now, I've, I've never heard that, man. We must be far enough away. It doesn't reach. But there's yeah. a guy next to me who must have like an insane sound system. Like he watches <laughs> movies like all night yeah. and he has like dude he must have like a fucking like 18 inch sub in that <laughs> you'll just be like watching tv and you just hear like yeah like a, a war movie or something he's watching and damn dude i think i heard that too i get i get the people upstairs that have like yeah like the bunk thing and stuff yeah lucky for us there's nobody above us so we don't have that dude the um, walls are paper thin here yeah they really are is that soundproofing behind you it, it is. It's more reflection than proofing, but oh, okay. lucky for me, like behind that wall is our bedroom, and behind that wall is our living room. Oh, so that wall is window, so it's <laughs> just wall, and that way there's a hall. So like, this is like a studio within a box, if that's you know what I mean. Like, there's yeah. nothing on either side of these walls. There's nothing yeah. above. There's somebody below. I assume. Yeah. I don't know if anyone lives in that unit below. I've never heard anybody down there. They've never. <laughs> In about a year and a half I've been here, they've never said anything about the noise. So they probably just died. They're probably rotting. Really tucked away in the corner so no one can notice, really. Yeah, for sure. And then there's actually one other like semi famous person that lives here. Um, I don't know what his name is, but you, you watch World Star Hip Hop? I mean, I've seen it. I, I don't watch it. <laughs> like those I mean. like those fight videos and stuff where like. Yeah, I've, like, I've, I know yeah. what it is. Yeah. Yeah, like one of the main dudes from that lives here because I saw him outside one day, like filming something, and then it was like on World Star Hip Hop, like it was like our sidewalk, like our apartment building. It was. You know, I've seen a couple guys like filming stuff around yeah. here. Yeah, always been like yeah, too, but never really thought much of it. You know, it's yeah, LA sure. or something. I just figured he's doing his thing, but yeah, 
crazy. Also, Ryan from State Camp almost moved into this building. What? Which one's that? Which one's Ryan? Bassist. Really? Bass player. Oh, yeah. Shit. He he came and looked at a spot with his girlfriend like right before Corona. Yeah. Um, they were looking to move because they live in North Hollywood right now, and they were looking to move. And Damn. they came and checked out a unit here, but they ended up not not getting it. But I was like really hoping they would. It's like, ah, oh, dude, we live in the same building. That'd be crazy. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, they're from they're from Albany. They're from like right where my I got a lot yeah. of people up there. Yeah. Yeah. Totes sick well thank you so much for doing this man like this is amazing for sure dude we had a lot of fun yeah me too so i guess i'll see you around and won't have to be awkward now because we've done this <laughs> definitely will i'll so, be around i mean i don't leave this place too much but you'll, you'll see me <laughs> yeah for sure so thank you so oh, much yeah, man. man all right you guys take care i'll catch up with you later for sure right. take care buddy Farewell. take it easy man Bye.
Sharon's record label. 